emoji. It's me, Taylor. That's my name. Also me, Becca. We're back, and better than ever. It's been two weeks. Did you miss us? Did you even realize it had been two weeks? I feel like you can really track our moods just based on how we introduce it. You can <laughs> you can tell like how hyped we are based on how uh, how enthusiastic the like intro is. I want a mood tracker of that. What are you getting from from this intro? Are we hype? You sound <laughs> you sound tired. But I'm drinking I'm drinking coffee. You can't be tired when you're drinking coffee. Typically, you drink coffee because you're tired. Sh- shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> shut up when you're talking to me. Okay. Anyways, so today we're talking about we're we're talking about early aughts shitty alt rock. No, just kidding. We're talking about Icelandic sorcery. Two things that don't overlap. This all started with a pair of skin pants, penis pants, if you will. Oh. And it, it led to something so much more interesting. Well, I don't know if so much more interesting, but at this point, the penis say, pants are old hat to me. Damn. <laughs> From now on, everything's going to have to be 20 times edgier than penis pants. <laughs> I thought the penis pants was like the cherry on top of the sorcery cake. It is pretty much the last thing we talk about. So that's that's the reward for getting through this episode, my babies. So... Sources for today are Wikipedia, Galdrasinning.is, the official museum site for the Icelandic Museum of Sorcery and Witchcraft, and also a Mental Floss article um, that listed nine spooky spells from Icelandic grimoires. Let's talk about spells, baby. Let's talk about you and me. I put it in my notes, but I could not say it. I'm sorry. Anyways, so it's like a fairly shallow dive into Icelandic spells and like runes and witchcraft and all of that stuff. It's like a survey class. You know? Yeah, this is we're just skimming the water. Just giving you a little little taste. Eventually, I want to do uh, an episode similar to our tarot uh, episode, which I still want to do the other half of that because that was intense. But I also want to do one about runes and runestone reading because I have a set of runestones. So Icelandic grimoires, which grimoire is a book of magic spells or invocations. I know that from Dragon Age. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if everybody was also a nerd. So I wanted to clarify. <laughs> um, but... Uh, a lot of them are from the 17th century and some are from later times, though they all seem to be like related. But the origin, the origin of the like this particular this peculiar Icelandic magic is difficult to ascertain because some signs seem to be derived from medieval mysticism and Renaissance occultism, while others show some relation to runic culture and the old Germanic belief in Thor and Odin. Uh, but much of the magic that's mentioned in court records can be found in grimoires kept in various manuscript collections. And so the purpose of the magic involved tells us something about the concerns of the lower classes that used to have them to lessen the burdens of subsidence living in harsh climate. Because most of the spells are like considered white magic because they're not about like hurting someone. They're more about like aiding each other. Like there's ones about like getting a girl to fall in love with you which I, I was like, just 
don't be shitty and maybe she'll think you're okay. One's for like securing barrels and stuff like stuff like that but these are not when you said it like helping each other i thought it was gonna be like it's gonna help your crops grow or help heal a bad cold and instead it's all barrels and no those things are in there too but there's also like weird ones like the the penis pants and um how to basically curse butter or make a creature from butter it's i don't i don't know we're gonna get into it basically like some of them i was like yeah okay i can get behind this i get it but a lot of them i i was like this is a sign of the times that i just can't wrap my mind around it and that's okay but anyways so each spell consists of a symbol which is called a stave uh, which is accompanied by runes that lay out the spell or the galdar runes have a long history in europe and an even longer one in iceland which didn't convert to christianity or the latin alphabet until more than a hundred years after it was settled and even then runes would continue to be used for several centuries there's a quote runes the so-called fupark alphabet were usually carved on rock or wood and they always have contained some power to them according to the dorstein sermele Post-Reformation, when the last Catholic priest in Iceland and his two sons were beheaded, the use of magic spells started to be more prominent, even though, or because, the Lutheran Church strictly prohibited the use of such symbols, Sermeli says. The period between 1654 and 1690 has been called the Magic Age because of the large number of cases connected to the use of magic symbols. So, weirdly enough, this is a predominantly, like, male magic most of the people who practice it were dudes, but or at least the ones that were caught and that are in records. But um, nearly 200 people were charged for the use of magic during this time or for having a magic book, grimoire. And more than 20, the majority of them men, were sentenced to death and burned. And most of these cases had to do with white magic, uh, the way of using magic for your own benefit, but not necessarily to hurt others, Sermeli says. Which it was interesting because they were saying like, in one case, like, out of a hundred, only ten of them were women. And I was like, that's so bizarre, because I feel like, at least in which culture, you know, based on, like, the early Americas, it was predominantly women, and it was predominantly, like, women who were, you know, sexual or whatever. It wasn't tied to, like, this sort of white magic that was predominantly used by men which is it's just interesting how it different like how it's different at least in america like with salem and and those witch trials and stuff like that i don't know if it had so much to do with people who were like actually witches and more to do with oppressing and killing people who acted out because of religious fanaticism (laughs) it's true and i mean this had some religious fanaticism as well because it was um honestly mostly like misunderstanding what their magic was about and they were like oh well it's it's sexual in nature and it's this and it gets you closer to the devil and whatever so it's similar but i think the americas was more about controlling people and like you're Mm -hmm. saying so I agree, but this did have, like, weird shades of religion interfering with it. The last case of prosecution for magic in Iceland was in 1700, and Sermeli says that magic has been part of Icelandic culture ever since, and I would argue that Icelanders still use the spells in some ways. Maybe not as we did before, but we keep the tradition alive. It's part of our identity, and that's why we like referring to the magics, using them as decoration, tattoos, publishing them in a book... 
it's part of the Viking image that has been part of Icelanders since settlement. So that's sort of just a little background. Are you ready to talk about spells, baby? Tell me about... No, you tell me about this spell. You say this spell. Don't... I don't want to do a spell. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got to read it. Read the spell. Read the spell. Read the spell. Read the spell. Okay. Becca has given me a bunch of pictures, and they're all beautiful. So, first off, we're going to start big, I guess, is to raise the dead, exercise evil spirits, or lay a go- lay a ghost? I was like, does that mean have sex with a ghost? Or does that mean, like, put a ghost to rest? Maybe that's what it means. If it's Zach Baggins, you know which one it is. You wanna fuck? Uh, just for the record, this is Taylor from the past cutting this in the beginning. Uh, a lot of these spells and stuff that we're going to be talking about do involve the use of a lot of blood, bones, of people, and animals. And we don't necessarily know if they were dead when we got them, but they're in there. So if you're sensitive to that, that's pretty much the rest of the episode. Goodbye. <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Okay, back to whatever we recorded. Inscribe on the scalp of a horse using a mixture of seal blood, fox blood, and human blood. Ooh, what a mix. Recite this verse over the stave when you wish to use it. Thick blood, fighters grow weary. The nation endures centuries of hardship. Great destruction. Men die. Wealth is lost. The destitute are shunned. Perilous ruin the people dread. Storm upon storm, plagued by misery. Heavy remorse, relentless warfare, an evil storm haunts the world so basically you have to i'm guessing inscribe that ruin or that uh sorry that stave the like it's kind of like there's like a square we'll put some pictures up on the instagram but it's like a square with an x through it and then there's they kind of look like crop circle drawings or they're all kind of geometric but with circles i don't know it's interesting but yeah i would i'm guessing that you would have to inscribe that on the scalp of a horse is the horse okay i would think the horse is probably dead sadly it's just such a a weird mix i don't get from like the words how those tie into like raising the dead some of this could be lost in translation considering i think a lot of these grimoires they had like just papers that were falling apart out of books and they basically like scanned them who knows if we're being real Um, so this one kind of looks like a Ferris wheel, the stave, but it's the witch ride stave. And it says, he who wishes to ride through the air like a witch shall inscribe this stave on a bleached horse's skull. So many dead horses with two types of blood from the man himself, as well as from a horse combining in thirds, two parts being the horse's blood from beneath the frog of the hoof of the right foreleg. The frog? I don't know what the fuck that means. I just copied and pasted these because I was like, there's no way for me to like rewrite their instructions. And the third part from beneath the big toe of the man's left foot. This is complicated. The stave is to be drawn with a chicken feather and he who has a witch bride brindle will then be able to ride through air and water wherever he feels like going. A witch ride bridle is created by digging up a newly buried man and cutting a strip of skin from the length of his spine. This will be used for reins. Next, the dead man must be scalped, and the scalp will be used for the bridle. 
The dead man's lingual bone is to be used for the bit and his hip bones for cheek pieces. Oh. Okay. A spell also needs to be recited over it, and then the bridle is finished. All that needs to be done is place the witch ride bridle over a horse's head. It will then fly into the air with whomever is riding it and fly faster than lightning wherever its rider wishes, creating a great whistling sound. That's a lot of... Bones and dead stuff to be touching. Do you think that the horse blood could come from the same horse that the skull is from? I mean, let's hope so. Otherwise, they're being not very economical. And also, how many horses do you have that you can just, like, willy-nilly sacrifice? Sad. This next one is called Looking Glass. We're going to find out what it's for, because I do not know. It's like a cross with some eyes and kind of bits. Looks like flowers drawn on it. It's pretty. Let's find out where we have to <laughs> inscribe this. Um, so this looking glass stave reveals backwards and forwards for years and centuries throughout the world. This stave is to be drawn on calf skin that has been under the bare sky with the water from within a raven's eye and blood from the heart of a man and woman who have loved each other with all their hearts but never consummated their love, and the stave is to be drawn with the water rail's feather. I'm guessing that's a bird. Then myrrh is to be strewn over the entire stave. When the stave is dry, go to a spring whose temperature remains constant winter and summer, and over which no bird has flown that day, and strike the water with it, making sure to turn the stave downward. Then let the stave lie in the water, while circling the spring four times counterclockwise. Take the stave from the water and peek through it, and he who drew the stave will be able to see, if he wishes, throughout the world, backwards and forwards, through four cardinal directions. Then the stave is to be closed in an amnion? and never taken out unless it is to be used. It's really involved. Not all of... These are all very involved. <laughs> it's very involved. Not all of the spells are this, like, bizarre and intricate and also dark. Because I feel like a lot of these are, like, kill something. Also... I thought these were white spells. Again, it's to benefit yourself... And again, in at, in like quotations, not necessarily harm others. However, a lot of these do. <clears throat> so the last like long spell that I did or I have is the butternaut or the tilbury. So mm. the tilbury or carrier or snacker spindle is a creature of Icelandic folklore created by witches to steam milk. And this stave is basically, it looks kind of like... An upside-down triangle that's been made into a star. It's kind of like it's a star, but it's shaped differently than you typically would do it, if that makes sense. So the two terms are, oh, and only women can create and own them. So two terms are regional variants. Both are used in eastern Iceland, Tilbury in the north, and Snekur in the south and west. If a woman wants to create a Tilbury, she has to dig up a human rib in a graveyard early on Whit Sunday, wrap it in gray wool, and preserve it between her breasts. The next three Sundays at communion, she has to spit the holy wine on the bundle, which will then come alive. 
Then the woman has to carve a nipple inside her thigh on which the tilbury will hang on and nourish itself. When it is fully grown, the woman can send it to the neighboring pastures to steal milk from cows and sheep. When the woman becomes old, the tilbury becomes a burden, and the only way she can get rid of it is to order it to gather all the sheep droppings in three highland pastures. Eager to get back on the nipple, the tilbury will overexert itself and explode, leaving only a human rib beside the heap of droppings. The milk-stealing tilbury is the only magic in Icelandic folklore that can be performed by women, and a fully grown tilbury could lie across a sheep's back and suck two tits at the same time. (laughs) When it would roll back to its farm, it would spew the milk into its mother churn. And you said this one, it's not the only one that women can do, but it's the only one that only women can do. Yes, yes. So basically, I'm pretty sure if someone puts this stave because it's it's like you you use this both to create but also to see if someone has like used magic properties on your milk or your butter um but the butter made from the milk would fall into little pieces if the magical sign smorgenurter butternaut was drawn on it so and i don't know how you would i guess you just draw it with your finger i don't know there wasn't a whole lot of instruction I mean, there's a lot of instruction, but not in the places where it really counts, if you know what I mean. I'm not doing any of these, so I don't really need full instruction. That's kind of what I figured. I was like, I mean, I don't know if anybody actually did these back then even, because they seem very involved. And it seems like you would like, where do you find two people who have been together for a really long time, but never consummated their, like, relationship? I get just... Two people who are in love who never never got it on. I guess. That seems like it would be not, like, the easiest thing to find. I know it exists, but, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very involved. Quite. There's some simple ones, and these seem like they make a lot more sense. At least the first two do. The first one's just kind of like a little smiling, happy face inside of a big circular window with some branches on it. And it's called the anger guppy. Mm-hmm. And you carve it on the ends of barrels to prevent leaking. That's easy. No blood. Look at that happy little friend. Uh, the other one kind of looks like a picture frame. And it's got three little circles with some chicken legs sticking out of them. I know this is great for an audio medium. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but this one's called uh, a Lhasa Briotre. And it's to open a lock without a key. Also very useful, very roguish. Mm-hmm. And then the last simple stave, which I have a feeling that the stave itself might be simple, but maybe the rest of it, not so much. Uh, this one is like a, a, a frown and a happy mouth overlapping. And there's an X and then kind of like a little hangy bit at the bottom. It really doesn't look like anything to me. Mm-hmm. I guess it could kind of almost be like a head with like a crown on it, but it's called the Nab uh, Nabro Karstoffer, and it's a stave used when making necro pants. The Nabrock, a pair of trousers made from the skin of a dead man that are capable of producing an endless supply of money. Indeed, the real star of this episode. Give the people what they want. Get ready. So. <clears throat> The nabrock, which literally translates to corpse trousers slash underpants, are a pair of pants made from the skin of a dead man. It's believed to be Icelandic witchcraft, capable of producing an endless supply of money. 
despite the circulating photo that you see on the internet, these pants probably never actually existed outside of folklore, which is comforting. Is this what got you? Did you see a photo of these pants? Yes. I saw them and I said, what the fuck? And I mean, I don't know if we should post them on the Instagram because they're quite um, upsetting. Graphic? To look, yes. Graphic is a good word because you can see the weird wiener. I mean, they're not real. An artist created them. I couldn't, I can't, let me look up real quick who made them. I'm sure I can blur it out. Probably made out of horse leather since everybody loves to use horse bits. Probably. Well, can't find the artist. If we find it, um, I'll send it to Taylor. So basically... In order, if you make these pants and use them, then you are entering a pact with the devil, supposedly. But the ritual described is as follows to make the pants. So first, you have to get permission from a living man to use his skin after his death. Consent is important, even in ancient, probably fake Icelandic witchcraft. It's true. (laughs) After he's been buried, you must dig up his body and flay the skin of the corpse in one piece from the waist down. As soon as you step into the pants, they will stick to your own skin. The coin must be stolen from a poor widow, which is rude, and placed in the scrotum along with a magical sign, Nebrakarstafer, which is that stave, uh, written on a piece of paper. Consequently, the coin will draw money into the scrotum, so it will never be empty as long as the original coin is not removed. To ensure salvation, the owner has to convince someone else to take ownership of the pants and step into each leg as soon as he gets out of it. So, like, you take one leg out, they put one leg in, you take the put other leg out. Put your left leg out, yeah. put your left leg in, you put your leg in the death pants. You take your leg out of the death pants, yeah, shake the scrotum around. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Uh, but the necropants will thus keep the money-gathering nature for generations. Oh, man, it's the gift that keeps giving. Right? Uh, so is it kind of like like Sonic, like when you walk by, the coins just like fly to you? Mm-hmm. Like rings, like golden rings? Supposedly. I hope it makes that same sound. Bling, 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 bling. Like Becca said, there's a replica of these pants at the Strandagalder, or the Museum of Icelandic Sorcery, because, you know, gosh darn it, we just don't have a real... A real pair of these things laying around. I don't know why. So sad. People are so selfish. They just want to <laughs> keep their their weird penis pants Ugh. and not share them with the world. What is this planet coming to? This museum is privately operated. It's publicly accessible. And it's dedicated to folklore and history. It's all about sorcery and witchcraft in Iceland. Um, it was first opened in 2000 and it's curated by Sigurar... Atlason? Mm-hmm. I got it. The museum is located in the coastal town of Holmavik, and it's based on based on research which began in 1996. The museum contains various permanent and special exhibitions on subjects such as the Nabrok, or Necropants, Icelandic Magical Staves, Tilbury, and Icelandic Grimoires, which we have touched on here. You're welcome. Becca put in a note that a lot of their website is in... Icelandic slash Finnish. I and couldn't figure out. Like, I looked up, like, what do they speak in Iceland? And they were like, Icelandic. And I was like, is Icelandic the same as Finnish? And they were like, 
it depends. It's all depending on what region they're from. And I was like, cool. Okay, that didn't help me at all. Thank you. Well, their website is in a language that neither me or Becca can read. Mm -mm. So, you know, we've gotten a little bit from it. And by we, I mean Becca. But if you're really interested in it, there's a lot of books that are in English, if you're an English speaker, um, all about Icelandic spells and runes, and you can get them from Jeff Bezos on Amazon. Yeah, I'm sure you can find them other places. They have, like, websites, but... um, Like a haunted, cursed bookstore. Yeah, or if you can read Icelandic, or if you want to go to the trouble of doing Google Translate, which I tried, but the sentence structure... As we all know, when you use Google Translate, a lot of the time you still get just, like, broken English, which isn't super helpful because you're like, I can't tell what the tense of this is supposed to be, and I just didn't want to risk, like, putting out badly translated stuff. So if you want to just, you know, kind of glean what's there, but they had a lot of articles on the history of Icelandic sorcery, witchcraft cases, lists of people who are executed for witchcraft all of the grimoires that they know of i think magical staves ruins and then they also had magical flora and stones which i thought would have been cool to look up but again google translate was not that helpful damn it google google thank you for bringing these weird uh, dead man's pants to my attention you're so welcome my life will never be the same i don't think anyone's life will be the same so what's uh what have you been watching what have you been enjoying what are you what you what you thinking well, I've been listening to a podcast. Oh, is it the one I think it is? It probably is. Okay. My friend Rachel. Our friend Rachel. Our friend Rachel. Our friend Rachel! <laughs> she has been telling me about this podcast called The Magnus Archives for a really long time, and I was a fool. And I kept thinking that I had other podcasts that were more important. And I was just like, there's too many things. I'll never get to it. And then she told me that she would start Neoscum if I started the Magnus Archives. And I don't even care if she hasn't started Neoscum yet. Because the Magnus Archives is a gift. And I love it. And I'm so excited that even though I've been listening to it pretty much constantly for the past two weeks, that I'm... Only maybe halfway through. Damn. I still have such a good chunk. What's it about? The Magnus Archives is like an institute that does research for paranormal activity. It's based out of London, but not all of the stories are from London. Um, It's kind of not quite an audio drama, but there is a guy who is reading all of these written statements that have been submitted. And at first, it's kind of just standalone, kind of like creepypasta. They're written by um, the guy who does most of the voice recording for it. But I don't know, I mean, like the, the stories are very good and they're scary without being like too repetitive. And then like as you listen to it, it starts to introduce other characters into it and you kind of realize that there is an overarching like storyline to it. But it's pretty subtle. Like, at the end of season one, there's probably a good four or five episodes that are actually, like, plot-heavy. It's just really good to listen to if you like kind of scary stuff. I will say that at least so far, I'm, like, halfway through season two, and one of the bad guy entity things that they have to deal with 
is very heavily inspired by tripophobia, mm. which is a fear of like holes and clusters and stuff like that, which makes me want to die. And I was very surprised because they did a Q&A and were like, yeah, that's my fear too. And I was just like, then why did you do this? Why did you do this to me, Jonathan? Exposure therapy. Jonathan is the narrator. I feel bad because I can't remember the actual guy's name. Dag. Oops. It's got good, like, atmospheric, kind of scary music. And I don't know, it's just really good to listen to. The individual episodes are anywhere from, like, 20 to 30 minutes. So they're not super long. And I don't know. I would definitely say start from the beginning if you want to listen to it. So far, I have done pretty good, but if you are sensitive to very scary stuff, then maybe don't listen to it like late at night when you're all by yourself or when you're driving on like a dark road. I'm good so far, but we shall see. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. It's good. I love it. I finished The Expanse. We won't talk about it because we already spent (laughs) so long last time talking about it. But because I finished The Expanse, I was like, I miss space. And I was like, I could replay Mass Effect. And then I was like, not yet. Not yet. If I get sucked into Mass Effect, I won't be able to plan the wedding. And then the wedding won't happen. So I have to just wait. And my reward for getting married and planning this wedding is playing the Mass Effect trilogy again. That's what I've decided. (laughs) So I started watching Farscape again. And I had tricked myself into forgetting how much weird leather daddy stuff is in that. Ooh. There's so many, like, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the the fact that despite being, like, an early 2000s show, there's a lot of, like, female sexuality in the show that isn't shamed. There's, like, queer relationships. There's a lot of really great stuff. But... God almighty, do I feel so uncomfortable when they have, like, a weird cat dude in, like, a gimp suit that has, like, a pleasure versus pain receptor. It's just, sometimes it goes too far, and I appreciate that it's there, but I want to shut my eyes, if you know what I mean. (sighs) He's not a recurring character, so it's fine, but I had forgotten. I I had washed that episode from my brain and now it's back so anyways Farscape really good has some episodes where you might feel a little uncomfortable but overall really good really entertaining kind of silly kind of funny pretty serious but then also sort of goofy not a huge fan of the main character Crichton but um Claudia Black is in it and she's so cool and she voices Morgan in the Dragon Age series Um, yeah she plays like a race of people that look human but they're called peacekeepers and or no wait that maybe that's her job what what is the the race Mm, can't remember i've never watched farscape i cannot help you anyway it's on amazon prime and if you're like hankering for some some sci-fi like found family kind of stuff but they're all sort of shits get ready because farscape is great it's good i'm glad that you've rediscovered it minus the cat leather daddy we don't have to talk about him anymore he's done cat daddy is dead (laughs) (coughs) anyways 
I think that is going to do it for today. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, we're on Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much almost anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe to us. If you do, please leave us a nice review. We love a good juicy five-star review. And maybe mention us to a friend. Tell them that you learned all about penis pants, but then don't tell them what a penis pants is, and then just direct them to this episode. See what happened. The more you know. I mean... Um, if you want to see, I guess we don't know if we're going to actually put the penis pants on the Instagram, but if you want to find out, you can follow our Instagram. You can also follow our Twitter. Both of them are at ghost emoji show. And if you want to email us and tell us how much you do or don't want to see this penis pants, you can do that at ghost emoji podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Feel free to email me and tell us that we miss mispronounced a bunch of Icelandic words because that probably happened but we tried we tried our best no it's a it's a beautiful complicated language and I appreciate anyone who can can speak it because I can't I can't do it I can barely take care of myself so not as I exist right now maybe a future version of my spell myself a future version of myself can maybe speak Icelandic. If maybe I can scrub my brain of all of the cat leather daddy imagery that's <laughs> trapped in there, then maybe I can learn another language. Make, make room. It's nothing I've sought. It's all been thrust upon me. Bless you. <laughs> taking the cat daddy burden onto Disgusting. yourself. <laughs> Whoever whoever made that character, I'm shaming you. How dare you? Oh my god. How dare you? Oh no. Okay, anyways. Five star review, please. <laughs> and remember to always say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.